Amen. Amen. Okay, well, thank you for letting me hang out with you guys this week. It's, uh, it's always a big, it's a big privilege, and I'm grateful. Thank God for you guys. I thank, I thank God for how he's working in and through this local church, and, and uh, just know we're going to be praying for you and, and trusting God uh, for everything that he, he, we want the reality of God's word over the life of this church, so we want to trust him for the for everything that he wants to do in and through this local church. Um, so let's see, Sunday night we, we looked at the pattern of the Holy Spirit and we saw that the way that it works is first the Spirit moves and then the Word of God comes and the light shines, right? And we said our key word that night was salvation. Uh, salvation, and we looked at how that pattern works in God redeeming creation and and just and just restoring the image of Christ in our lives. And then we looked at the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We said our key word there is re- is relationship. Uh, when you get saved, you're baptized in the Spirit. You are you are separated. You become a new creature in Christ. The Bible says you become a you, you well you just become a whole new thing. The spiritual part of you, the, the sword of the spirit, separates the spiritual part of you from the fleshly part of you. And, and this operation of God, this circumcision of the spirit, uh, you know, it, it can't reattach. It can't grow back because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And now God's spirit is indwelling you and, and his spirit, spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you're God's child. And so we said our key word there was relationship. And then last night we talked about the filling, uh, the filling of the Spirit. And, and we looked at how, how, how needful we are, that the Word of Christ dwells in us richly. We need the person of Christ, right? The person of Christ is to be formed in us. And so we need to be restored to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we need to let the Word dwell in us richly because He must increase, we must decrease. So our key word there, you know, as we looked at a life of walking in the word, a, a life of walking with Christ, we said our key word there was, was fellowship. We want Christ fully manifest. We want his life lived through us. And so tonight we're going to look at the anointing, the, the, the Holy Spirit anointing. We need ability in ministry. We need, we need capacity and ability in ministry. And so if I can give you another key word just to keep in the back of your mind, it's this, power. We need, the, we, need, we need to be endued with power from on high. We need to minister in Holy Ghost power. So when you get saved, you get sealed. Uh, after you get saved, you need to always be being filled. But, but we need spiritual energy for a spiritual work that God's called us to. We can't accomplish it through our wisdom, our intellect. We can't accomplish it through our ability. God has to work in and through his people. So, you know, last night we, we, we looked at that in the, in the context of walking in the spirit. And I, and I just want to just bring up something that's maybe a little bit of a side issue. You know, whenever a people get focused on uh, being, being the spiritual man, being the spiritual child of God that God's called you to be, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes we can go to seed a little bit, and uh, I don't know. You've maybe been in, you've been in spiritual circles, uh, church circles, uh, Christian groups where everybody's got a new word from the Lord, 
and they'll and they won't they won't they won't claim they're a prophet. They'll just say God told me. Da da da, and whatever da 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 is, it's exactly what they actually wanted to do. All along, you know, God told me what God what God said, and so if if I could just encourage you, okay, submit to the Holy Spirit, right? Submit to the Word of Christ or the Spirit of Christ as you engage in the Word of Christ. There's so much in the Word of God that God wants to speak to you over. And just bring every thought captive to Christ. Bring every thought captive to the Word of God. Make sure it's in submission to the Word. Uh, Every thought, make sure that it's in conjunction with the mortification of the flesh. Because there's just nothing tougher for a pastor than a church member comes up and and it's all, you know, God told me um, I, I have to leave this church and I'm going to move to, I'm going to move to Canada and, and, and there I'll find a bride. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've heard crazy. Okay, so um, God told me, da, 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 and whatever it is, that's kind of just what I, just be careful pulling the God card because mm, you, you kind of box everybody else out. Right? We have the word of God, we've got the indwelling spirit of God, but you've also got the people of God that God has in your life to tell you whenever you're thinking cray-cray. <laughs> and, and you need them to speak into your life. Man, hey, bro, hey, sis, that's crazy. What are you talking about? What do you mean God told you? Uh, the word of God says, right, we, need the, we desperately need those reality checks. God, God is going to, I mean, the spirit of God is going to lead you. Uh, that that happens, but he's going to do it in submission to his word. And this is the way that we talk about it at MBT. Um, this is kind of how I've shared this with my guys. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be, however God leads us, it's going to be according to his word. And as the spirit leads us, we're going to all get the, it'll be a group email, okay? Uh, I, I, I'm not going to be the only one that can see it. Right? If God's in it, we're going to all be able to see it. Our, sp- our spirit's going to bear witness with, with, with what, the, what the spirit is doing, how the spirit is leading. Uh, we're going to see it all over our Bible. We're going to have a peace that passes all understanding whenever we engage in whatever it is, however it is that God's leading us. Be careful pulling. Tremble to pull the God card. God told me, God said to me, uh, just be accountable. Does that make sense? Well, tonight we want to talk about the anointing. Um, As much as anything, this is just going to be a plea tonight. I pray we hear from the Lord. Point number one, we've been given a promise of power. Promise is your first blank. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, ye shall receive power. Uh, he, he, He declares this promise over his people. And so tonight, I just want to end by making a plea um, if, 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 if I could have anything in my life, if I could have anything for you, anything in your life, uh, we need a work of the Spirit. We need power from on high. You know, what if this fellowship turns out 100 new pastors who start 100 new churches, all with correct, impeccable doctrine, do you know that we can put a lot of effort, I mean, put in immense effort and accomplish little? Do you know that that's what could happen? Little pockets of people all over, assembling, holding services. 
not really making a dent in our communities, not turning our world or our, our, our communities, our, our cities, our states, not turning this planet upside down for the glory of God. There stands the absolute possibility of immense effort that ends up being wasted because of no spiritual power, activity, organization, much work, much, much concentrated effort. Uh, we can work our, you know, maybe you've worked with somebody like this on the job. I mean, this just seems like they're moving, they're working their tail off, and they get nothing done. And it's happening because there's no unction, there's no power of the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, you get this incredible principle. He answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I mean, how do we move mountains? How do we rock the nations for God's glory? You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, Ye shall receive power. Well, how, how do we do that? Well, Zechariah chapter six or chapter 4, verse 6, it's, it's by his spirit. It's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's not by how smart or how good looking, how clever, how able we are. It's by his spirit. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. How, how you know, God wants to, to, he wants to make our path straight. He wants to move us forward in ministry. He wants the word of God over our lives, reality, as we step out in faith. And so help us, God, by his grace. We're going to take the nations for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, I say it this way to our church at MBT all of the time. I, I, and I think I mentioned this to you a couple nights ago. I don't want to play church. I don't want to just assemble members into services where we're just going through the motions of playing church like little children play house. I want God to use my life. I want it to matter. I want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and be able to point to some people and say, you're my crown of rejoicing. Man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so, I'm so glad God used me in your life just a little bit so that it, made a, it made a difference. You made a decision about the word of God over your life. You called on Christ as Lord and Savior. Or we spent time in the word of God and, 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 and God used that to equip you, to disciple you. Uh, to outfit you, to function in ministry, and, and look at all the fruit you have at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and say, you know, I, well, I, did, I didn't cuss much. <laughs> There's that, Lord. I mean, I want my life to matter for Christ's glory. We need a move of the Spirit that enables us to take to rock the nations for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then what will we do? We will lay our lives down taking the nations. It starts at home. And, and, and from there, I mean, it impacts our community, our general area. But, but ultimately, there's no nation, there's no tribe, there's no tongue that hasn't felt the impact of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because God used us. Uh, what does the eye of faith say? What does the mind of faith say? Uh, again, this is kind of how I share it at MBT. I, I don't want to play church. I want to be used of God to matter in the lives of people. I want God to do what only God can do in and through me. I want the same for you. I don't care if 30 years from now 
anybody knows the name Midtown Baptist Temple. I don't care. What was that church? There was some church in Kansas. I, man, nobody needs to know me. Nobody needs to know my name. Nobody needs to know the name of my church. But if I can make some disciples that will go make some disciples, that will go and make some disciples, that'll go, you get what I'm saying. That'll go and they'll go and they'll make some, and they'll go and they'll make some more and they'll go. And there are people, right, 5, 10, 15, 20 generations down, they don't know what God did in order to make sure that they came to saving faith. But God knows. Uh, just the fact that they're in the course of heaven knowing and singing praise to and worshiping and adoring the name of Jesus Christ, that's everything. I don't care if anybody knows my name, but that everyone would know the name of Jesus Christ as Savior, King, and Lord. Ye shall receive power. When? Well, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you're going to lay down your life making disciples. Jesus, God made flesh. He, not even he, relied on his own ability. But he relied on the power of the Spirit. I mean, hello, somebody. If it, God in the flesh sets the example for us. It was not by his personal fleshly ability or power or might. Uh, everything that he did, he did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, quoting Isaiah chapter 61, said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. There it is, the anointing of the Spirit. Why, Jesus? Why have you been anointed of the Spirit? To preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 22 says, they wondered at the gracious word that proceeded out of his mouth. And listen to this rabbi preach. Listen to the master, right? His words are so gracious. He is anointed that people might be set free, that they might be delivered. But the result is right here in this passage, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus then declares God's love and care for the Gentiles. If the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, you shall receive power. After what? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then what? Oh, yeah, you're going to absolutely get in the flow of what God is doing. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus in the first place. Why? Because he, he's not willing that any would perish. He wants the saving of the nations. So you will lay down your lives being a witness of me from Jerusalem to the Gentile nations that, you know, you view as dogs. He declares God's love and care for the Gentiles, and it earns him a death sentence. You know, the course of this world hates it, right? Uh, the God of this world hates it. The way of the Gentiles, they hate it when somebody changes their walk, leaves their family, lives for another kingdom. I, I, I'm done investing. I'm no longer vested in the course of this world. This world is not my home. I am an ambassador for Christ. I'm a child of the king. I mean, they hate it when somebody steps out of their walk into another paradigm, into another reality, and they get furious when they get called out. And so Jesus, yeah, I mean, he's got this death sentence over him. Look at verse 28. And, and, and all they, everybody is complicit, all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath 
and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereupon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. So he's preaching good news. It's rejected, so he just moves on to the next town. He taught them on the Sabbath days, and here's the key. Look at verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For his word was with power. They were astonished at what he was teaching because he was preaching with power. Here we get the function of the anointing. It's power for the poor, for the broken, for the blind, for imprisoned, right? Prison people to be delivered from darkness and bondage. So get this down in your notes. The anointing serves to set people free. Free from all the hurts and the holds of sins. The gospel has to go out in the power of God's spirit. It has to go out in power. Let's keep looking at the example of Jesus and look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. <laughs> Peter is testifying of Christ. He says, of a truth, I perceive that God has no respecter of persons, but in every nation he hath uh, he that, uh, it, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word of God, right? The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. What was the result? Well, he laid down his life ministering, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The anointing serves to set people free, free from all the hurts and the holds of sin. Don't we need that? Don't I need that in my ministry? Don't you need that in your ministry? Don't you know so many hurting people? Aren't you connected with so many people who are in bondage to sin? They're, they're, they're blind in the dark. And they just keep getting hurt. And how will they ever see the light? How will they ever come to saving faith? You, you'll, you'll explain to them the terms of the gospel. And it's like, it's like just right over their head. God has to open their understanding. He has to open their eyes that they might see. They need minds and hearts that might believe and receive God's truth. We need a work of God. We need to be endued with power for the work that God's called us to. I've got news for you. You can't save anybody. You don't have the capacity to give anyone eternal life. The eternal life you enjoy, Jesus had to give that to you. And you don't get to do anything with it other than just be in it, right? Walk in it, live in it. It's yours forever. You can't give anybody else eternal life. You can't, you can't see Christ formed in anybody else. You can't, you can't mature or conform anyone else to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't actually make somebody into a minister that will go and multiply ministry somewhere. We need power. Everything that God's called us to is beyond our ability to, to do. Like we, we can't reproduce any of it. But you know what? God can work in and through us. God can take us as his people and use us to see souls soul saved through the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to make disciples, to train and equip people for the work of the ministry. Everything God's called us to, it's beyond our ability. But man, he is able. 
I mean, he is able. He can work in and through us. I want to look at our model minister. Let's look at the Apostle Paul and just think about what the Apostle Paul is trying to accomplish in the Corinthian church. He's got a bunch of disciples. He's trying to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Uh, but, you know, he's got his work cut out for him. Paul is totally invested in them. He loves them. He cares for them. He's, he, he's ministering to them. But some at the church at Corinth were tempted to be divided from him. So how did Paul minister to the Corinthians? Let's, uh, again, here's a people that except God doesn't work, there's, there's no help. Okay, so let's just take a little tour of Paul's approach to ministering uh, to a hard people. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Remember, we talked about this the other night. We use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. So again, here is the example that Moses' relationship with God is time of being, you know, being friends with Christ, right? The word of Christ dwelling in him richly. Uh, you know, the Spirit's moving, the Word of God comes, and now the light is shining, but it's out his face, you know, and it's freaking everybody out. So they, it, it, was, it was too much. It was more than they could bear, and, and he had a relationship with God that they couldn't get their head around, so they couldn't see it. They didn't want it, and, and so the, the point that Paul's making is their minds were blinded. And that's the problem when Israel reads the Bible to this day. There's that veil on their hearts that, that keeps them from being able to see uh, God's truth. Even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, and that will happen in Romans chapter 11, when Christ comes and rescues Israel, all Israel will be saved. The veil will be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. How are we going to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? How is the word of God going to do the work of God in our heart and life? Even as by the power, right? even as by the spirit of the Lord. So what's Paul's approach in discipling some people who have excuses and reasons for not paying attention, right? for not getting with the program? He says, okay, I'm going to keep you in mind of the precious, the exceeding precious hope that we have in Christ. And the word of God that's been delivered to me, I'm going to plainly deliver it to you. We use great plainness of speech. And we're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, Paul's recognizing the power to see souls saved, to make disciples, to see saints matured and mastering the mission. I can't, I can't perform that in you, but God can work through me in the power of God's Holy Spirit, taking his word. He is able. We're not, I'm not able. He is able. I, uh, I, I, man, I grew up under Alan Shelby in ministry. Alan Shelby is a gift. 
to the church. He's uh, precious in my life. I'm so grateful for how God's used him countless times. Uh, he has given me uh, what I've needed so many times in my life. Um, I will, I'm, I'm very grateful. And I look at Alan, and I look at the way he preaches, and I look at the way that his mind works, and I think, he's got to be part alien. <laughs> or he's a cyborg. He's part computer. Or he's, somehow he's connected to some AI. Uh, uh, because that's just not normal what he does. I mean, he's, he's just got this uh, eight-dimensional mind, you know, and, and uh, he's, he's just seeing things, and, 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 and so I just listen to him preach, and my jaw's on the floor, and I and I'd think, man, I could just never do that. Man, thank God somebody can do that. We need extra bright lights, right? They, they help all of us. Okay, well, God, I'm a hillbilly. What are you going to do with me? Because I'm never going to do that. I took encouragement from Moses. <laughs> right? I took encouragement from, from Paul. He said, we use great plainness of speech. And so I made a decision even before, even before I was a pastor in the college ministry at KCBT. Um, God, you know I don't have that kind of brain capacity. I don't, <laughs> I don't have that kind of ability. But with all my heart, I know that you can use me for your glory. And I want you to use me in such a way so that, so that other people will see that, that you can use them too. And so, I, you know, I'm not even saying that I do any of it well. I'm just sharing my heart with you in terms of my approach in ministry. I try to stand in a pulpit or, or, or be in a Bible study and just make sure I'm saying what the Bible says. There it is. That's my whole game plan. <laughs> I just want to expose, right? I just want to say what the Bible says. And if I can do that, a dude, right, of stumbling lips, and if, and if some people can get saved, and some people can get trained, and some people can get sent out, and some churches can get planted, some missionaries can be sent, the nations can be rocked, my earnest prayer, and I don't know if I'm messing up by admitting this, I, I really don't, um, but my earnest prayer is I want people to look at my life and say, if that ding-dong can be used of God, I know God can use me. <laughs> like, that's what I want. Um, if God, I'm so encouraged, you know, the, 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 you hear it over the years, you know, if God can speak through a, you know, a, a, an ass, a donkey, you know, if God can speak through an ass, he can, you know, and then they make all the jokes, he can speak through me, and, well, he can. God is able to take anyone and do anything for his glory. And I need that. I need God with me. You need God with you in ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, Now he which establisheth with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who has sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. God is empowering you for ministry. And so Paul is coaching his peeps for that. He told Timothy, He's anointed us. For what? Okay. He told Timothy, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. What kind of spirit did God give his children? But of power. It's a spirit that can anoint you. It can empower you for ministry. So what hinders? What keeps, what, what, what short circuits us? Why is Paul explaining how he does ministry to the church at Corinth? 
Well, you see it in the first letter as well. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And again, the problem in the Corinthian church, I mean, they weren't just despising Paul, but they were despising each other. In chapter 1, you've got many divided from one another. Everybody's very busy on being the right side, on the right side of every division. They broke into camps over it. They've got divided loyalties. You know, where are you at on the, uh, are, are, you, are you Apollos or Paul? You know, oh, I'm with Jesus. Okay, so they're, they're, they're breaking into camps, into divided loyalties. And look at Paul's response, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Why? You're all contentious, verse 11. You're all divided, verse 12. I'm of Paul, I have Paulos, I have Cephas, I have Christ. And he makes his case in verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? <laughs> no. So here it is. Um, we talked about this last night. We do have the, we do have the capacity uh, to put out the fire, right? Quench not the spirit. We, we, we don't want to grieve the spirit. Again, whenever you look at Ephesians chapter 4 and you see how the church is to roll, in receiving the word of God, the word of God dwelling in them richly, using it in the lives of people. Uh, if you go all the way back to the first verse of that chapter, you find out that we have unity in Christ. And we're told, we're commanded in scripture to endeavor to keep the unity that we have in the spirit. God, prov God makes us one in Christ. And if we're going to fight about anything, well, we got to fight for our unity. We got to fight for our right. It's a party in the spirit. I don't know. That was lame. <laughs> we we, we got to be together. So, so, you know, this is how we explain it at MBT. We, we talk about ministry principles uh, that just kind of help keep us all on the same lines as we move about the world in ministry. And, and uh, man, we protect unity is a big one because Satan is always at work to disrupt our unity. Why? Because we're, we're dealing with people. We're working in the lives of people, and there's going to be problems. And, and uh, I mean, you name it. Decisions are made, and not everybody agrees, and somebody decides that the Word of God doesn't apply to them, and it's on one of those lists where you have to deal with it. You have to respond with some measure, some form of church discipline, and, and, then, and then God's people in the church are upset and divided over how the, the, the unrepentant person was handled, you know, we didn't handle that right. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't deal, we didn't, we didn't execute, we didn't deal out church discipline the right way. And I just keep, like, I'm flabbergasted, you know. Were, were you in the room whenever I was weeping and begging them to come back to God? You don't get to call yourself a Christian and an unrepentant fornicator, an unrepentant adulterer. You don't, you don't get to do that. And and so were you in the room when I was weeping and begging them to repent and come back? Um, you know, they, you, you just don't get to call yourself an unrepentant murderer and, and also call yourself a member in good standing at MBT. It's just not going to work. Um, don't want to see anybody else get murdered. Okay, so, well, I don't like, the, I don't think the way we handled that was right. Well, if they hadn't have just been in rebellious sin, there wouldn't have been any mess to mishandle in the first place. You know, it's amazing how, I mean, Satan's a judo master. It's, just, it's amazing how he gets God's people 
sideways with one another. <laughs> um, you know, all of the people who are endeavoring and trusting God to do right and move forward in faith are upset over how the, how the Nimrod was dealt with in the rebellion. Uh, don't fall for that. FBC. If you're going to strive, if you're going to fight for anything, endeavor to keep the unity that you have in the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit by dividing what Christ bled to unite. What did it cost God to purchase you back from your sin and your rebellion? We've seen this clearly. It cost him everything. He gave his life. And so if you, through your agenda, you're working to divide this local church, you're working to divide what Christ bled to unite, and you're just the Ephesians 2 temple of the, of the Holy Spirit, you're just plundering it because I don't like this block or that block. Man, we, we, we got to fight for our right to be unified. Okay, that's so lame, I'm sorry. We have to protect unity. And so instead of having the power to turn their world upside down in the power of the Spirit, preaching a powerful, you know, powerful gospel, they're divided from one another. And so Paul's trying to get everybody back online. So he says, Christ sent me not to baptize. Here's Paul's point. What did Christ send me to do? But to preach the gospel. How? Well, in a plain way. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us, which are saved, it is the power of God. Man, I am persuaded the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So we have to preach the cross to them that perish. And they're going to think it's crazy. But for those for whom God opens their eyes, the word of God comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that blind mind, those blind eyes, right, they're opened up and they see the truth of the gospel. Man, that's the power of God. God was never going to use the church's ability to be awesome. Did you know that? So let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because you see, right, verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I read a story about some janitor, I uh, forget what they called him. He was, he was cleaning or he was setting up the, the, the facility at Spurgeon's uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle. And Spurgeon didn't know the guy was in there working, whatever. He's just in there doing his thing. Spurgeon comes in and he's just doing a kind of a, a sound check. He's, 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 uh, he's uh, just testing how the room sounds. And uh, he makes a proclamation, a gospel proclamation, just a few words, a gospel pro proclamation, uh, proclaiming Christ. And uh, this guy's heart was smote. He was convicted over his sin, and he got saved over a sound check, <laughs> you know. And uh, 
It, it, it's just the foolishness of preaching. God can use it in the life of a person, and it will turn them inside out and upside down. The weakness of God is stronger than men. I mean, God can take you out with a sound check. That's, not, that's just cool. Okay, now watch this now. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, you know, so some, there'll be some, there'll be some, some especially bright lights. There'll be some jewels, right, that God, it, I mean, the Apostle Paul is one example. Uh, there's going to be those. There's going to be the, the Alan Shelby's, right, the Jeff Bartels, the Brett Bartlett's, uh, the Troy Stogsdall's, you know. Uh, Troy's my, can, can I, I'll just tell you a secret. Uh, Troy is, he's in, my, he's in my top three favorite preachers on the planet. I love listening to Troy. You guys are so, you're rich to have Troy preaching to you. Um, so, n- so some, but not, not many. Those are the exceptions, not the rule. Not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. So here's the rest of us, okay, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. So Troy, mighty and wise, I believe it, but bro, small yourself, right? (laughs) That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye, right? But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who God, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And that, right, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Man, I read that and I see it pleases God to use foolish things, weak things, base things, despised things. And I'm like so encouraged. I'm qualified for God to use me. I mean, praise the Lord. He can use me. Why? Well, so that I won't brag (laughs) that no flesh should glory in his presence. So Paul had it, right? He was determined to to show this ministry model to people who had a whole lot of reasons, right, to just cause cause disruption in their local church. So he's going to model how to minister in the power of God alone. So look at chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we have to humble ourselves, don't we? We have to small ourselves. We have to recognize it's not by might. It's not by, it's not by power. It's by God's spirit, saith the Lord. So let's, let's just look at each of these verses in turn and make a few comments on them. And then, and then we'll, we'll see if we can make one more point. He says, I came to you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God for I determined not to know anything among you save 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. So this is Romans 1, right? The, the gospel of Christ, that is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So I, I know that the word, like this is my faith proposition. This is my faith position. The word of God is going to do the work of God. I know that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach Christ and him crucified. So here's my approach. I was with you, he says, verse 3, in weakness and fear and much trembling. So, I, so, so the word's going to do the work, and it has to be evident that it's God doing the work. Yeah, Paul's the preacher, but it's got to be evident that God's working through him. It has to be God alone working through his servant, but God alone glorified. This is why it's so critical that we small ourselves in ministry. The more God uses you, the more, the more you know, and I, and I don't even know a right way to do it. Oh, pastor, pastor, that was a good message, man. You really tore that up. Well, I guess God's still a miracle-working God, you know. I don't know. Praise the Lord, you know. I don't know what to say to that. It has to be. So the more that you hear those kind of things, you know, your discipler, your disciple rather, you're the best discipler on the planet. My goodness, you just know your Bible inside and out. Small yourself. Why? Because God is attracted to weakness. Lord, without you, I can do nothing. With you, all things are possible. Hebrews 13, 6 says, that we may, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Right? I want to be able to say, the Lord is my helper. So I will not fear what man can do unto me. God is attracted to weakness. We need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus, right? Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But that takes something that most people never gra grasp, right? It can't be me being awesome that produces this effect. It's got to be a willingness to die, to humble ourselves, to lay down our lives in faith. Because verse 7 says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So something's got to crack if the light's going to shine. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. How did we do that? We are perplexed, but not in despair. How did we do that? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. We're like, um, what's the little blow-up fighter that's got the weighted thing in the, it's like the weighted sand in the bottom, but you blow it up and you pounce them, you just beat on them. And they go all which away, but you can keep, it's like the, it, what do they call it? It's a, there's a name for that. Nobody had one of those when they were a kid growing up. What kind of toys are they selling now? <laughs> Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down, okay? Like, how, how, how are we not destroyed? Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Man, it's living the crucified life. It's no fun in the flesh, but it's everything for ministry. We have to be willing, right, to humble ourselves. God, I need you. With you, all things are possible. Verse 4, my, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So what happens, right? Paul says what happened was as the spirit moved, 
I preached the word of God and then, and then the light of God shone. That's what happened. So you see the example of that, right? We saw it already in Acts chapter 4 with the, with the, with the apostles. Acts chapter 4 and verse 7. They say to the, to the disciples, you know, what, by what power or by what name have you done this? Acts 4 verse 7. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, told him, who, told him by what power. Be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God, I mean, just in telling them by what power, he's just giving them the gospel. But whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even him, right, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. He says, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given, right? There is none other name heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. They got their answer to their question. By what power? They got that answer, and if you just go down to verse 13 in chapter 4, uh, they were blown away when they saw, right, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them. What was their secret? How were they preaching with power? That they had been with Jesus. Right, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost, right, Christ came. The word of Christ was reality over his life, so the light's shining out. They took knowledge. These guys, these are the guys that were hanging with Jesus. Okay, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, if I'm trying to minister to people through, through cleverness alone, well, someone more clever is going to come along and undo everything that I try to do in the hearts and minds of people. But if people hear God speak to them, if the word of God is speaking to them, well, then they can never go back. I remember what it was like for me whenever the exceeding sinfulness of my sin finally made sense. And I realized that I was due to suffer the wrath of God for eternity in a lake of fire. And I saw the promise of the gospel, the exceeding precious promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was good news for me. And to come to the place where my eyes were opened that Jesus, the creator, would be my sin bearer. Uh, that changed everything. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That results in a changed life, and, and, and that can never go back. You can't, you can't put it back in the box you believe on and you receive the gospel, everything changes. Your approach to ministry, everything changes. Whenever we started at Midtown, uh, it, you know, it was pretty rough. The, the place that we were kind of boxed into is the place that we ended up buying, and, and it's where we, we worship and, and train and serve today. But, um, you know, I, the, the best way I know how to describe it is if it ended in shun, it happened at our facility at 40th and Walnut. So inebriation, intoxication, um, defecation, fornication. I mean, if it ended in shun, it happened at 40th and Walnut. We used to have to clean uh, needles up before service. We, I, I don't know, uh, it's been a lot. I don't know how many times I shoveled human feces 
uh, off the property getting ready for service in those early days, okay? And I, I would have people tell me, you know, man, if you're going to try to minister uh, in Midtown, if you're going to have a, an effective urban core ministry, uh, you're going to have to give away cigarettes and pizza. I had people in my church tell me that. Like, that's the only way you're going to be able to draw people in is you're going to have to give away cigarettes and pizza. Well, we have eaten a lot of pizza. <laughs> I'll admit that. But praise the Lord. So help us God by his grace. We have not given away one cigarette in Jesus' name. Okay? I had a guy tell me, he's like, you know, if you're going to really impact the community, because uh, they found out about the defecation part of the shuns that were happening there. Uh, what you got to do is get a bunch of five-gallon buckets, and then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna bolt on some, like a, like a you can buy these um, camp toilets, you know. So you bolt on this lid, and, and then you can, off the side of the five-gallon bucket, you can hang a roll of toilet paper, and, and then they'll actually have a place to go to the bathroom uh, on the church property. <laughs> What they were doing is they were the people. They people shoot up and they'd have to defecate, and they'd get behind the trees next to the entrance. Troy, you remember this, right? Troy, Troy, Troy helped us in those early days. Troy was a part of, of helping us get a toehold at 40th and Walnut, and they. You remember those big cedar trees on either side of the entrance? I'm out front one Sunday night, just hoping for a visitor, you know, and I'm like, it smells like poo. <laughs> get to looking around and it's like Mount Kilimanjaro. I mean, just. <laughs> we cut down the trees. We did not install five-gallon buckets. We preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The guy that sold us the building made the proclamation after he sold us the building. He said, well, good luck. Nothing ever works here. I'm convinced this is Satan's seat in Midtown in Westport. And he just told me how, you know, his health, he'd lost his health serving in ministry there. Some of his kids were, were, were in the world, and, and, and he's such a dear brother, such a, such a sweet man of God, and, and so earnest, and, and I, I gotta tell you, I, I, I do believe that he did a lot of the initial plowing in that community, and we reap fruit because of, because of his just faithful endeavor, but, but he just, he just kind of shared his heart, and I'm like, my heart went out to him, but I'm also thinking, you waited until I signed, <laughs> so tell me nothing ever works at, you know, 40th and Walnut, and and I just thought, you know what? God works. Uh, God works. Um, you know, I had people tell me, you're not going to be able to be effective at 40th and Wall. You're not going to be able to be effective in the urban core with the King James Bible. <laughs> uh, you're not going to be able to use a discipleship approach in ministry and be effective in the urban core. You're not going to be able to take a church for all people's approach. In Midtown, you better identify someone like Westport Willie. You know how that was really big 20 years ago. Whatever community you're in, you identify your target, and you describe him, and you you know you just go. So Westport Willie, you know he's a he's a he's a gentrifying agent in in Westport, and and uh, he looks kind of like a bum, but he's got a six-figure salary, and and uh, you know he's got the beard and the flannel, and but you know he has exquisite taste and in brandies and, and cigars, you know, whatever. So you're describing this guy that you're trying to reach. I can't find that in my Bible, right? God so loved the world, and with all my heart, I believe, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in God's sight, rich, poor, smart, dumb, 
God can make us a family. And, and there were some battles in the early days with people who wanted to be a part of planning the church. And, and I, I don't know how to invite people that are like me to be a part, you know, and this came from multiple demographics in our church. I mean, if I bring people who look like me or if I bring people who, who, who are, are, are part of my, my subculture in our community and they come and they see, you know, people coming in off the street or whatever, you know, it's just, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to be able to have an effective ministry in my community. Man, God works. Uh, today, Midtown Baptist Temple is made up of, I mean, it's red, brown, yellow, black, and white, and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. It's rich, it's poor, it's smart, it's dumb, it's, it's, it's business, it's, it's, it's labor. I mean, God works. So help us, God, by his grace. We know what his word says. He's not willing that any would perish. If nothing ever works, how am I going to get God to work in mid Well, man, God's got to do a work through us as his people. So we got to be praying as his people, as his people. I mean, that ought to set us praying. You know, in Acts chapter, okay, so let's look at point number two, the provision of power. And Troy, I'm landing the plane. The provision of power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. That word you could... Transliterate that as martyrs. You could be mar- you 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 sh- you will lay down your life witnessing, right? You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Once you receive the Spirit, you're going to tear this world up as a witness. I'm going to use you to rock the nations. So what do they do, right? What do they do? They don't have the. So look at this next point. Let's bring this up on the slide. U plus what equals power? Well, we know what that is, right? Uh, U plus the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness to the world. So they don't have it yet. What do they do? Verse 14 says they got to praying. That's what they did. I don't see the reality of your promise over my life. Don't miss this picture. The promise is certain. It's given. I mean, Christ gave it in in Acts 1.8. But they don't have the reality of it. They don't have the power to turn the world upside down. And so in verse 14, they're on their face calling on God for the the reality of his word. That's the secret. Um, Again, what we do at MBT is we have a prayer ministry. We have a corporate prayer ministry on Tuesday night. Uh, that That is just the most fun service that I ever get to be a part of. Uh, it's where, where anyone can come together and, and we pray kingdom prayers, right? We, we, we do pray for bunions and bursitis and, and hurting backbones, you know, all of that. But, but uh, man, we want to pray for the reality of God's word in our ministry. And it, man, I'm so grateful we have a people. I'm so grateful for my local church. They believe, they know God answers prayer. And um, we're, we're kind of at a place where we're going to have to restore our balcony. We walled off our balcony so we'd have more classroom space. Uh, we're going to have to restore it so that we've got room to grow on Tuesday nights in the prayer ministry meeting. Why? Because there's more that God wants to do through us. There's more that has to take place in, in, in ministry in the lives of people. And we don't see the reality of it yet. We know what the word of God says. So we've got to follow Acts 1.14. We've got to pray. See, if you don't have the power of God's spirit, you're not going to have God's heart 
for the lost world to know Jesus. So if you don't, what's missing? Well, you're not missing. You're alive. You're here, right? You're, that part of the equation, that's, there's no question. You say, well, is there no spirit of God? Well, I don't know. That's a salvation issue. Are you born again? Are you saved? If you are, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But if there's no power or heart for the lost, now that's a sin issue. See, if you're saved, if you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, but there's no power or heart for witnessing for the lo- to the lost, winning the lost, well, there's, somehow you got derailed. That's a sin issue. See, faith, faith says, I see what God's word says. I don't see the reality, in my li- the reality of it in my life. So, so I'm going to pray and ask God for the promises of his word to be manifest in and through me, and then I'm going to step out in faith. Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, be it unto you. So the promise was Acts 1, 8. Acts chapter 2 hadn't happened yet. So they continued in one accord in prayer. So how are we going to bear fruit? How do we get the anointing? Where does the power for ministry come from? Well, it's the same place it did for the disciples. It came out of their relationship with Christ. And the word of Christ being made reality in their ministry. So get this down in your notes. Relationship with Jesus, it must produce fruit. Again, in Acts chapter 4, by what power, right? Or or by what name have you done this? And again, what blew them away, these, these fishermen tearing up, right? Turning up Jerusalem upside down for the for the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So I, I don't see the power to see changed lives. I need to do two things. I need to pray. I need to pray in faith because that's what the disciples did. They prayed for the reality of God's word. And then Acts chapter 2 came. <laughs> and uh, man, Peter went from being afraid of a little girl to to preaching the gospel to the nations in what, I mean, just, just in 40 days' time. Uh, he, he, I mean, the whole civilized world showed up, and he, preached, he flat preached the gospel to them. So I need to pray, for, I, I, according to my faith, be it unto me. Okay, so I need to pray, and I need to ask, so it'll be given to me. But then, how do I bear fruit? Well, you, you, you guys know, we looked at this yesterday, John chapter 15 We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to abide in the vine. Our life has to be connected to our power source. Jesus said in John 15, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. It's a guarantee. Do you see that? Because... What is in you, right, when we do that, then who God is and what he is comes out of us. There's no getting around it. It's an ironclad guarantee. The same bringeth forth much fruit. Why? For without me you can do nothing. Oh, that's why it pleases God to use weak and foolish things, (laughs) to use them to bear much fruit. So it's all to his glory. We do that. And who God is in us, our spending time with Christ and his work, that's what comes out of us. And then whenever we come into contact with the lost, this will be the response. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24 says, he comes in and he sees how you're doing ministry. He comes to your worship service, the lost man. 
Um, he says, everybody, the word of God, what's in them is coming out of them. All are prophesying, right? All are preaching in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in their hearts of the Lord. They're giving thanks. I mean, they're just giving. They're just full of thanksgiving. They're submitting to one another. And this cat's been all over the world. He's seen all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. And ain't nobody lives like that. So full of joy, so full of the love and the light of God. Preaching and praising, giving thanks, building each other up, submitting to one another. So he comes in, he doesn't believe, he's unlearned. He is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. That's what I want. I want lost people to attend our services, right? I want lost people to attend our services, and they can't even make it through the praise set because they're on their face. Of, I mean, God is in this place. God is evident in the lives of you people. See, Satan became Satan when he was corrupted through pride. So we got to small ourselves and just come and admit we're not an awesome church. We're not, we're not the greatest thing since sliced bread in our communities. We're not going to have the best programs, the best amenities that will attract most of the Christians to come and, and just goat herd with us. We need to small ourselves in dependence on the Lord. We need to acknowledge God in all our ways so that he'll direct our paths. For sure, we can do nothing that God's called us to, but God can work in and through us. And I know that. I believe that with all my heart. You know, Paul, again, in the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he, we're qualified for God to use in a mighty way. It pleases him to use us so that, I mean, again, so that no flesh glories in his, no flesh will glory in his presence. All of the praise, all of the glory will go to God. And so I just, I want you to know that uh, I'm praying for, last night, I, I, please pray for me. I want the life of Christ to be fully, right, manifest. So I need the word of Christ to dwell in me richly so that what is in me will come out of me. I'm the guy that has the most pulpit time with the most people at MBT, and, and, I, and I need to be on fire, and that fire needs to just combust the church. And, and um, you know, we need to be a people in whom the word of Christ is dwelling richly so that what is in us will come out of us so that we can turn our city upside down for Christ. But tonight, I just want to tell you, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be calling on God for an anointing on this place that you as God's people will recognize you're not going to impress God with how well you do church. You're going to be the best church in Ohio. Uh, no, I'm going to pray that, that, that you're a people who recognize we need the Lord. We need to move of the Spirit. And except God build the house, we labor in vain. We need God to do what only God can do in and through us as his people. And that you'll be, you will be desperate, consistent, and fervent in prayer. And then step out in faith. Get in your Bible. Spend time with Jesus. Step out in faith and engage the lost world. Be bold to invite everyone in this community to everything that you're, to everything that you're doing so that they can see God in everything that you are. Does that make sense? Man, God bless you. Thanks for letting me hang out with you this week.
uh, I will be praying for you.